0: You're listening to the Central City Assembly Podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. This is pump you up music, okay? Come on. Oh, I missed it. Crank it up. Let's go. With fire. Amen. Not in the casual way that people say fire in response to something good these days, but real fire that every single one of us need. We're in our third week of our series on the Holy Spirit. Um, During the past two Sundays, we've spent uh, our time asking and exploring the question, who is he? Right? Who is the Holy Spirit? And we concluded that he's our helper, he's our friend, and he's our God. And if we want to experience the Holy Spirit as our helper, friend, and God, then we must allow him fully into our lives and totally into our lives. And the question is, are you letting him fully and totally into your life? Uh, And this week, we're, we're going to ask and explore the question, is he a person? Is he a person? And you might be wondering, why are we spending so much time on these kinds of questions, right? Because you might be thinking, when I think of the Holy Spirit, I think of power, right? I think of miracles, signs, and wonders. When are we going to get to that stuff? Well, do you remember that wise old movie called Karate Kid? You remember that movie? The main character Daniel LaRusso and his mom, they move across the country from New Jersey all the way to Los Angeles. Uh, And sadly, in trying to make new friends, Daniel gets bullied and he gets beat up by some kids who belong to the the Cobra Kai Karate Dojo. And and this is is one of many instances where Daniel gets bullied by this specific group of kids. Uh, At one point, Daniel decides he's gonna get back at his bullies and he sprays them with a water hose. Uh, but this, as you can imagine, only infuriates the bullies even more. They chase after Daniel, eventually catching up to him and giving him the beating of his life. Uh, but the little old handyman who maintains the apartment where Daniel lives, Mr. Miyagi, he sees Daniel getting beat up and steps in to help. And Mr. Miyagi, um, unbeknownst to Daniel, happens to be a master of karate. How convenient. And he easily just beats up and defeats this gang of bullies all by himself. Well, this lights a a fire inside Daniel. And he asks Mr. Miyagi if he can uh, teach him karate so that he can defend himself. And Mr. Miyagi, he reluctantly agrees. And on the first day of training, Daniel's like, all right, let's go. Right? Show me how you did all of those cool, powerful moves. Show me how you were able to take on all of those guys by yourself. I'm ready. And what does Mr. Miyagi do? He makes Daniel start washing and waxing his cars. He makes him paint his fence and do various other chores, but in very specific ways. You don't just wax and wash the cars all willy-nilly, like you don't know what you're doing, right? It's what? Wax on, wax off. You don't just paint the fence like you're a three-year-old with finger paint. No, you go up and down, up and down. Then on the next day of training, and the next day of training, and the next, and the next, it's the same thing, the same chores in the same way. And as you can imagine, Daniel gets frustrated. He's like, come on, when are we going to learn the power of karate, right? But what we learn is that Mr. Miyagi, he's actually been teaching Daniel karate this whole time. He was teaching him the basic forms and mechanics of karate, getting it into his muscle memory. And Daniel learns that karate isn't just about what, or just power, and knowing what karate can do for you. The real power of karate comes in knowing the basics, knowing the mechanics, getting it into your guts, into your body. And so, why are we spending so much time on these kinds of questions about the Holy Spirit? Why are we not jumping right into the power and the, the miracles, signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit? Okay, listen, the power of the Holy Spirit is not just in knowing what he can do for you, but the power is in knowing who he really is, who he really is, right? If all we want from the Holy Spirit is power, Is a fresh wind, uh, you know, a new fire. If all we want are the power, then we're no different than Simon the magician in the book of Acts, who upon seeing the Holy Spirit work powerfully through the apostles, he offered them money to try and buy the power so that he could be powerful too. But Peter, what does he do? He rebukes Simon saying, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Simon thought the Holy Spirit was a thing, an it that he could buy, and he didn't know who the person of the Holy Spirit really was. He didn't personally know him as helper, friend, and God like the apostles did. The power of the Holy Spirit is not just in knowing what he can do for you, but the power is in knowing who he really is, Only when We've grown in relationship and friendship with the Holy Spirit. Can we truly understand the the, the purpose of his power and strength in our lives? It sounds like something Mr. Miyagi would say. All right, so um, we're going to get to the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? We're going to, but we're laying the foundation of real relationship first. The last two weeks, who is the Holy Spirit, and this week, is he a person? Amen? Can we pray one more time before we get into Scripture and continue learning about the Holy Spirit. God, we're so grateful that you have so much more for us than we have right now. We thank you that, that you can do more for us than we can even imagine. And we thank you that a lot of that comes through knowing who your Holy Spirit is, That knowing who you are, God, as Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you just lead and guide us this morning to help us understand the person of the Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you'd help us to understand what it looks like to build a relationship with him. God, that that we would see you, Holy Spirit, as God, not just as some minor part of the Trinity, but one of the most important parts of the Trinity. God, I pray that you would lead us by your truth. Holy Spirit, that that is one of your functions, is to lead us into all truth. And so we say yes and amen to that this morning. God, I pray that anything that I say that isn't from you would just fall on deaf ears. And Holy Spirit, would you speak to us this morning because we believe that you still speak. So we thank you, God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right. Um, we're going to do some good work this morning. Okay, We're going to do some difficult work this morning. I'm just going to preface that um, just so you're, you're preparing your hearts. All right. Um, but do you ever have thoughts uh, that you think might help God, right? Have you ever had ideas or suggestions for God about how life or how the world should really be, right? Like, wouldn't life be better, God, if, if we didn't suffer? Did you think about that, God? Right, wouldn't the world be a better place if you just made everyone love you? Did you think about that, God? Have you ever had thoughts like that before? Well, maybe people would better understand the Holy Spirit as a person if God had given him a different name. A different name. Because it's, it's easy to see God the Father and God the Son as persons because a father is a person and a son is a person. In fact, God the Father is known by many names throughout Scripture. God the Son is named Jesus, but the Holy Spirit maybe God should have given him a different name, like Bob, right? Bob is a name and a person that I can relate to, and I don't feel awkward talking about, right? Bob. Now, I'm, I'm obviously joking, right? But this is another way people misunderstand the Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit isn't really his name. It's his description. It's his function, God the Father's function is to be our Father and everything that that means. God the Son's function is to be the Son. And God the Holy Spirit's function is to be the Spirit. But His name isn't Holy Spirit. It's God. He is God. And God's function as the Holy Spirit is to dwell inside us, empower, teach, lead, and guide us into all truth. And when we better understand this, we better understand God as Holy Spirit, as a person. All right, but how do we know more specifically that the Holy Spirit is a person? What distinguishes him as a person? Well, how do you know that you are a person? How do you know? And that your pair of shoes isn't a person, right? Well, you might respond by saying, well, I'm alive. I have life. Well, lots of of things have life, right? A a tree has life, but it's not a person, right? No matter what your favorite hippie might tell you. And so what is a person? Well, I'm going to give you both a simple definition and a theological definition for person. I'll give you the simple one first. You ready for it? Simply put, a person has a personality. A person has a personality. A person the, exhibits the marks of a personality. Again, a tree doesn't have a personality, but you do. You have a personality, no matter what your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend might have said about you. You have a personality, which means that you are a person. And that makes sense because uh, you look at the root word. What's the root word of personality? Person. Makes sense. That's the simple definition. Now for the theological definition. A person has a soul. A person has a soul. And through study of scripture and humanity over thousands of years, not by me, but as people as a whole, um, we've come to know that a soul is made up of three parts. And maybe you've heard this before, okay? But a soul is made up of a mind, a will, and emotions. Right? We think with our minds. We desire with our wills, and we feel with our emotions. And so if you have a mind, a will, and emotions, you have a soul and are therefore a person. And what we see in scripture is that God has a soul, and therefore God is a person. Right, God the Father has a soul. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 18, which is quoted from Isaiah 42, God the Father says this, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my what, soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. God the Father has a soul. God the Son, Jesus, has a soul. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night he was betrayed, uh, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 38, he says, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. And he looks to his disciples and says, Remain here and watch with me. Jesus has a soul. What about the Holy Spirit? It maybe seems odd to think of the Holy Spirit as having a soul, but in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, it says, The Spirit of grace declares, But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The Holy Spirit has a soul. Again, why is this so important? Right? Why is it important to know that the Holy Spirit has a soul? Well, If having a soul means having a mind to think with, a will to desire with, and emotions to feel with, and if the Holy Spirit is God, then do you think it's possible that the Holy Spirit is trying to help us think like God, desire what God desires, and feel what God feels? Absolutely. Absolutely. And scripture is very clear that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you if you are in Christ Jesus. So if you want to know what God thinks about something or, or feels or desires, you have God living inside of you. And he can tell you what he thinks, desires, and feels because he's God. Do you understand how amazing that is? Right, and Scripture is very clear about all of this, but, but I, I want to break down all three of these components of the soul, mind, um, or of the soul, which is a mind, will, and emotions as they relate to the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay, by looking at these three things individually, I think we can gain a greater appreciation for the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. You ready? You ready for it? Do you want this? Because I can just be done. All right, all right, we'll keep going. All right, and so the first thing is that the Holy Spirit has a mind. Everybody say mind. In John chapter 16, verse 13, we read it before, but Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Simply put, how could the Holy Spirit guide us into all truth unless he knows with his mind all truth? Right? We must remember that that as God, the Holy Spirit is omniscient. Omniscient means all-knowing. It's it's a compound of two words. Omni meaning all, and science meaning knowledge. And so God, the Holy Spirit, is all-knowing. Let me ask you this. If you could take a guess, what do you think God's IQ is? Albert Einstein's IQ, I don't know if you know this, was 209. It's a little bit higher than mine, right? And so, what do you think God's IQ is? Well, it's a trick question, okay? Because he doesn't have an IQ. He doesn't have one. Why? IQ stands for intelligence quotient. We know what intelligence is. Quotient is a measure of something, but God doesn't have an IQ because we can't measure His intelligence. He's all-knowing. It's beyond our comprehension, and you can't measure it. And when you sit down and ponder the all-knowingness of God, it can really make your mind spin, right? Because think about this. Nothing has ever occurred to God. Nothing has ever occurred to God, right? There's never been a moment where God was like, oh, I never thought of that, right? Or it's like, oh, That had never occurred to me. That doesn't happen with God because he's all-knowing. Now, I'm not trying necessarily to prove to you that the Holy Spirit is a person. I think most of us here, we realize and believe that, but I am trying to help you see why the Holy Spirit is a person, is beneficial to you if he's in your life. Because when you understand that the person of the Holy Spirit has a mind, then you understand that you have a person— living inside of you, who knows everything about everything, and he's committed to being your teacher. Let that sink in. That's amazing. It's incredible. right? The Holy Spirit has the answer to every question, but you'll never ask him for the answer if you don't think he's a person, if you don't have a relationship with him, if you don't see him as a person that you can grow in friendship with. Um, Our friend, Andrew Schaefer, who used to come to CCA, used to play drums, uh, moved up to Minneapolis. He's getting married really soon. I don't know if you know that, but getting married really soon. But he told me an amazing story once about how um, him and his family, they benefited from the mind of the Holy Spirit. So his family, they have a a wood stain business where they they formulate and, and create custom wood stains for whoever needs it. And at one point, his dad was trying to innovate. He was trying to create a new wood stain that was safe and eco-friendly, but that also would last a long time and looked really amazing. But he was struggling. He just couldn't figure it out. Well, during that time, his his mom was pregnant, and she was having some some medical issues uh, related to the pregnancy. And and sitting uh, was the best thing for her to keep her healthy and to keep her baby healthy. And so she would just sit for long periods of time, right? And so while sitting, she was also praying. They're followers of Jesus. She was praying about all kinds of things, praying for healing, praying for her baby, praying for her family, praying for the business, when all of a sudden, this formula popped into her mind. She she didn't understand it. She didn't know what it meant, but she knew it was from the Holy Spirit. And so she shared this formula with Andrew's dad. She's like, this crazy thing happened to me while I was praying. And her, his dad was like, wait a second, that's a wood stain formula. So he, he mixed the formula according to what Andrew's mom had shared, and it turned out to be exactly what they needed to create their signature, this, this incredible wood stain that they still use today. The Holy Spirit has a mind and he wants us to take advantage of his mind and to seek him for answers, right? No matter what they are, it doesn't matter, right? Because he knows all things and he will lead us into all truth. And so next time you're stuck, I wouldn't say just when you're stuck, but next time you're stuck, maybe you're reading scripture and you don't understand what it's saying. Maybe you're facing a difficult situation and you don't know what to do. Try asking the Holy Spirit for answer. He's right there with you, right? Ask, ask him, right? He'll lead you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit has a mind, right? The second component of a soul is the will. Everybody say will. And the person of the Holy Spirit has a will. When Paul was on his missionary journey, spreading the gospel to the, the farthest known reaches of the known world, I mean, he wanted to go into Asia. Do you remember that? But Acts chapter 16, verse six, it says... And they went through the region of Phrygia. Um, I got a response from an expert Greek um, lexical person this morning. It's pronounced Phrygia. Uh, region of Phrygia and Galatia having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when you forbid something, right, as the Holy Spirit did, what you're actually doing is you're exercising your will and when you look up the, the, the etymology of that word forbidden, it has to do with your will, right? You're, you're exerting your will to prevent something from happening. And the Holy Spirit exercises his will to keep Paul and his companions from sharing the gospel in Asia. Although later on, he allows them to enter Asia and share the gospel. But the Holy Spirit has a will. And since he has a will, and it is the will of God, and I'm guessing that, that you would like to know God's will— why then don't we get to know the Holy Spirit better? Right? If you want to know God's will, then get to know God. Right. makes sense, right? A college campus pastor once said that the top two questions he gets asked all the time by students often have to do with knowing the will of God for your life, and then also sex and dating. And he said that if I ever want to have a packed out, overflowing conference, I'm going to talk about God's will in sex and dating makes sense. That's a good idea. We might steal that one, okay? Um, but I think this really is a number one question that Christians ask. How do I know the will of God for my life? Maybe you've asked that question before, and I actually think it's a lot easier than we make it out to be, because the will of God can be divided into to two categories, so to speak. There's the general will of God and the specific will of God. The general will of God is revealed to everyone through his word, through scripture. But the specific will of God can only be known through his voice, through him speaking to you. And so if you want to know God's will, for example, uh, about marriage and how to be married, well, God's general will for marriage, you can look at the Bible, it's right there. He can reveal it to you through his word. But if you want to know who to marry, God's specific will in that instance is revealed only through his voice. You're not going to find a verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt marry Jane Doe from Tucson, who lives off of Broadway and Country Club. Right? It's, it's not in there. You can't find it. No. You receive God's specific will, excuse me, will through his voice. And like we got, talked about during the first week, God still speaks to us today. Amen. God still speaks to us and primarily through his Holy Spirit. This is one of the Holy Spirit's functions in our lives. Again, see John 16, verse 13, where Jesus says that whatever the Spirit hears from God, he will then speak to us. And so God's general will is revealed in Scripture. His specific will is revealed through his voice. So if you want to know God's specific will, you have to get to know his voice. And the only way, To truly get to know someone's voice is by getting to know them on a personal level. I bet you that if Annette were to call me from some unknown number, and when I answer, she just said, hey, I guarantee I'd know who was talking to me. I guarantee I'd be able to pick out her voice and say, that's my wife. Why? Because I'm very familiar with her voice. I love her voice so much. We've been married for 11 years now. We've spent a lot of time together talking and getting to know one another. So I'm very familiar with her beautiful voice. And if we want to know God's voice, we have to get to know God. There's no other way. Right? We need to spend time with and get to know the Holy Spirit who speaks to us. Listen, I'm sure you have people in your life who you know, man, that person hears from God. They hear the voice of God. At the same time, you also know that they spend a lot of time with God in prayer and Scripture. Here's a secret. That's always the case. That's always the case. The people who hear the voice of God the most are the ones who spend the most time with Him. There's no other way. right? The um, and, and we can know the will of God. We can know His voice by getting to know the Holy Spirit. I don't no, maybe you do, I don't know if you understand how amazing this really is. I don't know if you understand that we live in the greatest time in history. Because unlike generations who came before Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. Right? Am I saying that the Holy Spirit wasn't active in the, the Old Testament times before Jesus? No, he was absolutely active, but not to the degree that he's active today. Right? Because before Jesus, get this, there were times in history where only one or only a few people in the entire world heard from God or, the, or had the Spirit of God poured out on them. Even the kings of Israel, they depended on one or just a handful of prophets to help them know what God was saying. And if you were just a normal person, right, chances are you didn't hear the voice of God in your life. In fact, the Bible tells us there was a 400-year period before Jesus came when God spoke to no one. No one. Can you imagine that? But all of that changed when God poured out his Holy Spirit. The prophet Joel from the Old Testament times, he prophesied. And Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he quoted Joel when he said from Joel 2, 28, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit. On all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And, church family, we are living in that fulfilled prophecy right now, today. We live in the greatest time of history because God's Holy Spirit is available to all people which means that we have greater access to God, greater means of hearing his voice and knowing his wills where our forefathers in the faith, they didn't have that. Do you realize how amazing this is? Are you, does that get you excited knowing that you have the Holy Spirit? Right? The Holy Spirit has a will, and we can know his will by getting to know him. Now, let me just say this. I can hear God with you, but not for you. I can hear God with you, but not for you. I've had people say to me, can you get a word from God for me? Can you ask God for me what I should do in this situation or that situation? Okay, let me ask you this. Um, If someone came up to you and said, hey, can you go over to my spouse over there and ask them what they want for dinner? That's weird, right? Or if it was more personal and they say, hey, can you go over to my wife over there and ask her how many kids she wants us to have together? You would turn to that person and say, no, she's your wife. You go ask her, right? You go ask her. And so when people ask me to ask God for them, I want to say, no, you're married to him. You're his bride, aren't you? You go ask him. You go ask him. Now, I'm not saying don't seek others for wise counsel and godly counsel, right? I'm all for that. But when you go and ask for counsel, you shouldn't be asking, what is God saying? You should be saying, am I hearing correctly what God is already saying to me? What is, what is God saying to me? And I don't say this to discourage you, but to encourage you because we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. You have access to the voice and will of God that people long ago didn't have. Take advantage of that gift and get to know the Holy Spirit. Get to know His voice. Ask Him to reveal His will to you. He has a will. Thirdly, the third component of the soul is that the Holy Spirit has Emotions. Everybody say emotions. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, what do we read there? The fruits of the Spirit. We read it last week, right? What are they? Everybody say, shout out your favorite fruit of the Spirit. Wow, I'm surprised not many people like the self-control one. Um I think we got a good amount of them, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But listen, not only are those fruits of the Spirit, they are characteristics of a person. Only a person can express love. Only a person can have the emotion of joy. Only a person can have peace. And so these are not only fruits of the Spirit. They are characteristics of him. Of him. And so if the Holy Spirit can express the emotion of joy, then can't he also express the opposite of joy? Which would be what? What's the opposite of joy? Grief. Grief. All right, look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 30. And I would recommend underlining this one, going to this one, studying this one throughout the week this week. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Paul says this And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Grief is an emotion just as much as joy is an emotion, right? And the Holy Spirit can express both joy and grief. So the, the next question to ask then is, what grieves the Holy Spirit? I don't want to do that. right? Well, we see what grieves the Holy Spirit in the verses before and after, verse 30 that we just read. Let's look at those. Right? Starting in verse 25, Paul says this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, falsehood grieves the Holy Spirit. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, stealing grieves the Holy Spirit, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths that grieves the Holy Spirit, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And then that's when Paul says in verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But there's more because in verses 31 and 32, a bigger list. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, all of these grieve the Holy Spirit. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. All of these negative things grieve the Holy Spirit, right? And they can all be summed up into one word, sin. Simply put, sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit because especially with what we just read in Ephesians, sin is often towards other people. And if you sin against and hurt somebody else by your actions who who has the Holy Spirit inside of them, you're hurting the Holy Spirit. As Paul just said, we are members one of another, and I don't think we take that seriously enough. And the Holy Spirit is grieved when you hurt others. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit because he loves you. And when you walk in sin, which not only hurts others, but also hurts you, it, it grieves him. It makes him sad. If you're a parent and you've seen your own child hurt themselves in some way, right? You don't just laugh at it. No, it grieves you. It hurts you to see that. The Holy Spirit grieves when we are in pain, especially pain caused by our own sin. Another way to look at this grief is like what we feel when we lose a loved one or a friend because of death. Right? That grief you feel, it's a loss, but it's a loss of intimacy and relationship and closeness with that person because of the separation caused by death. And what does sin do? What does sin cause between you and God? Separation. Right? Not, not forever separation, but it creates distance. Right? We lose intimacy with God when we choose sin instead of him. And so the Holy Spirit grieves at this loss of intimacy with us because of our sin. You don't necessarily lose your salvation as a Christian when you sin, but sin certainly causes you to lose your intimacy with God, which should cause us to fear and tremble. So how does this translate into our everyday lives? Well, we all want to hear the voice of God better, right? We've established that. We all want to know the will of God for our lives better, right? Well, one way that we hear the Holy Spirit speak every single time is when he confronts us in our sinful desires and says, hey, don't do that. You've heard that voice before, haven't you? Right? I know you really want to say that, that hurtful thing to that person right now. I know you want to linger on that image on the website a little longer than you should. Don't do it. That's the voice, that's the mind, that's the will of the Holy Spirit speaking to you in that moment. And how often do we clearly hear the voice of Holy Spirit in those kinds of moments, but then we choose not to listen to his voice and instead do the thing we know we shouldn't do. And when we disregard the voice of the Holy Spirit in those moments, it's like we're stiff-arming him, saying, talk to the hand, Holy Spirit. I don't want to hear your voice right now. Right? Do you think this grieves the Holy Spirit? Yes, absolutely, more than we even understand. But then... When we're struggling in life, when we need help and and guidance in a certain situation, what do we do? God, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Speak to me. I need to hear your voice right now. And the Holy Spirit in that moment is grieved again and says, wait, you want to hear my voice now, but you didn't want to hear my voice when you really needed the help the most. What am I supposed to do? I've had moments like this in my own life where I felt, man, like I was close and I was intimate with the Holy Spirit and I could really hear his voice. But then after letting sin into my life, it was like radio silence. I couldn't hear him. Why? Because God's word is true when we read in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Write this one down. This is another one you should go and look at. But Paul says this, but I say, Walk by the Spirit, which means that we walk with the Spirit in closeness and friendship and in intimacy with the Spirit. He says, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Wow. Wow. Sin not only grieves the Holy Spirit, but it creates distance, separation between you two. It keeps you from hearing his voice, knowing his mind and will. We can't resist the voice of the Holy Spirit in one moment and then long for it in the next and wonder why we can't hear him. I mean, there's a solution to the problem. One word, repent. Repent. Turn away from your sin and start running towards God again. Set your mind, your will, your emotions. That's what repentance really looks like, and you will hear the voice of God again. Right, King David, right, he experienced this after he sinned when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Right? In Psalm chapter 32, David, he's lamenting about how he felt after he sinned and kept his sin hidden. He didn't tell anybody about it. It took a prophet coming and saying, hey, I know what you did for him to finally confess. But David's lamenting, right? Um, But he kept it hidden, which means that he wasn't repenting. He wasn't turning back to God. And he says this in Psalm 32, verses three and four. He said, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer, And then in another psalm, Psalm 51, David, he's crying out to God to be cleansed of his sin and to make his heart clean again. And he pleads with God in Psalm 51 verse 11. Check this out. He says, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. David knew that his sin grieved the Holy Spirit and it caused distance between him and the Spirit. But David also knew the solution. Back to Psalm 32, verse 5. David says this, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. He didn't keep it secret. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin." Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Repentance was key to his restoration. Repentance. And then in the very next verse, I love this. Verse 8. Same author, but the voice of the, the psalm changes. Okay, I'm going to read it to you, and I want you to tell me who this sounds like. Verse 8. Verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Who does that sound like? The Holy Spirit. That sounds like the Holy Spirit. When David confessed his sin and got it out of the darkness and into the light, his intimacy and relationship with the Holy Spirit was restored. Do you see it? Once again, he was able to hear the Holy Spirit's voice and receive his instruction, teaching, and counsel. Stephanie, you can come on up. Church family, I told you we're going to do some good work today, but some difficult work today that I promise you will lead to incredible payoff. Church family, there are some of you here today who you have been longing to hear God's voice. You've been longing to hear the Holy Spirit's guidance and teaching and truth in your life. But unconfessed and hidden sin has created silence between you and the Holy Spirit. Your sin has grieved the Holy Spirit and it's caused you to lose your intimacy with him. Please don't check out in this moment. Please, please, please don't check out in this moment. listen, if you want to hear his voice again, if you want his presence and his intimacy restored to you again, the call for every single one of us today is to search our hearts and our minds and to confess any sin that you have kept hidden and turn your soul back to God. And the Holy Spirit right here, right now is saying to you, If you will come to my altar, if you will come, and I'm going to say to the front right now, as your act of confession, the Holy Spirit is saying, I will set you free from silence and I will restore my voice, my intimacy with you once again. So church family, this might be a challenging thing for you to do, but if you've kept sin hidden, if if you have unconfessed sin in your life, I want to invite you to come up to the altar right now as your confession. I'm not going to make you come up, you know, the the Catholic way and tell me everything that you've done. I think there's a time and a place for that. But what I would like for you to do is allow your coming up to the front right now to be your confession. To say, I'm no longer keeping this hidden. I'm no longer keeping this secret because I want to hear the voice of God in my life again. I want to know the will of God in my life again. And I know what some of you are thinking right now because I thought it for so many years. You're saying, well, I can just confess right here, right where I'm sitting. You've been doing that your whole life and you're still stuck in the same stuff. Sometimes it takes a little bit more, it takes a little more boldness, a little greater confrontation to finally be free of the things you've been struggling with. So right now, If you want to restore the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life again, if you want to restore that intimacy with Him again, come up to the front as your public confession of you're no longer hiding anymore. Come on, be bold. Do not sit back in this moment. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, don't deny His voice. Come to the front. And you begin to just confess to the Lord I've kept this hidden from you, God. I've tried to keep doing this and keep walking with you. It's not working anymore. I'm turning away from it. Come to the front. Let this be your confession. You coming up to the front does nothing for me, but it does everything for you. You will have the voice of God restored in your life again. So I'm telling you, please, please, not miss this opportunity. I know there are still some who know they should come, so I'm not moving on. But if you're up here right now, God bless you. You're doing good work. Holy Spirit, restore, restore. Restoration work is happening right now. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you.